0: Welcome to One Step Better, the podcast from Works. We're tackling topics to give you insight on a practical level to help your employees thrive in your organization and to help you become one step better every day towards being the leader that you want to be. Now, let's kick it over to the Works team.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Mike Schaefer with Works. Uh, Today, I'm sitting here with Shelby Betts. Shelby is on our sales team and does a phenomenal job of uh, meeting with a lot of our customers or potential customers, helping them find solutions to their HR needs, giving them uh, answers to a lot of the questions and struggles they're dealing with. And so I thought it would be a great idea to sit down with Shelby this afternoon to talk about the role of HR, because the reality is, as we communicate with a lot of different people in a lot of different industries, the role of HR is very different for the person that's on the other end of the spectrum. And so Shelby, give us a little understanding of the type of people that you're meeting with, and we're gonna find some ways to to give some practical advice on how to help those people out today.
0: Yeah, thanks, Mike. You know, I want to paint you guys a story. So, um, you know, I'm Zooming because, you know, we're in quarantine now, so gone are the days when we get to meet with uh, our clients and prospects in person. Uh, we're sitting on a Zoom call, and um, my uh, prospect gets up to go uh, grab something, and I can see in her background there's a whole bunch of these white papers that are attached to her wall. And so naturally, you know, I can't see what they say, and so when she comes back, I ask her, I say, you know, hey, what's on those, you know, those sheets? You look like you've got some processes that you're planning. And she says, oh gosh, I'm writing job descriptions. Now, I'm talking to the director of operations. She's responsible for accounting and ops in her company, and she's responsible for her P&L. That's what she's good at doing is helping her company make money. And she's also the one that are, you know, writing those job descriptions. And so for the next 15 minutes, we talked about all the pain that she has in trying to figure out how to write her job descriptions and how to hire the right people. This is not her primary responsibility, but because she is who she is, she's forced to deal with these issues about HR. That's not an abnormal conversation that I have. Often we're sitting with, you know, C-suite and leaders um, that are doing HR functions, although they're not an HR professional. So it's a need that we're recognizing just that how do we equip people that are not formally trained to be HR people to help them in their HR function of their business?
1: That's a normal thing that that we see on on our end as well. Uh, You know, a lot of times, we have the, or at least sometimes we have the privilege of working with some rather larger size companies. And what we find in a lot of those companies is they have an entire department that is dedicated to, towards HR matters whether that's a benefits team or payroll team or employee relations, onboarding, all kinds of stuff. But that's not the norm. A lot of times in a, in a probably more medium-sized company, you'll find a single person, maybe it's a, a director of HR or just a, a clerk that does the HR functions, and that person's primary responsibilities are related to some of the HR roles that we traditionally uh, put into that bucket. But the majority of time, we're working with smaller companies. By smaller, I'm talking about anywhere between – probably five to, to 150 employee companies. And what I find a lot of times is that the person that's responsible, primarily responsible for the HR roles, you don't find that anywhere on their job description, but maybe sometimes it's buried 10 rows deep where it is an office manager or an admin assistant or a director of, H, uh, director of operations, uh, someone in a completely separate role that has a full job responsibility that they're responsible for, but by default, over time, they've also been picking up the, 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 the necessity of helping out on the HR functions. What I always find is that's creating a, a lot of tension for that person because they're responsible for some things that are a lot of times unwritten, um, uncommunicated, that's just expected. And there's not a very clear um, example of what it looks like to win in those situations. And and I know that you deal with the same thing, Shelby. And so what I want to talk a little bit about is for those people that are in maybe a small business, or maybe they are the owner of the business, but they have also taken up the reins of HR, what are some ways in which they can prioritize their workload and their day, their weeks, their, their years to still make sure that HR is a central component of what they're doing?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great uh, question. So I guess we'll pin it back to you, Mike, for that person that maybe, be, um, for lack of a better definition, is a second hat HR person. And so, right, not primary job responsibility, but the HR role kind of falls, that function falls to them, you know, to that particular person who's in that role, what should they be prioritizing? And also too, maybe to start, how would we define HR for that person?
1: Well, you know, we, uh, it was the other day, we were talking about the definition of HR here in our office. And I actually got up and walked around, and just asked a bunch of people, what does HR mean to you? What does HR mean to you? And uh, what we found is that it's not very well defined. I don't know what the formal, you know, book definition of HR is. I probably should have looked it up. But when I've talked to everybody, it was the, the central thing was people, dealing with people in some way. And so I think it's important to really recognize that. Regardless of what your job title is, if you're dealing with people, especially people that are inside of your organization, it's important to realize that you are the leader or a leader inside of that organization. When it comes to prioritizing your responsibilities, I think there's a a few things that we can really hit on and kind of drill down into today. Um, The first of which is, you know, modeling a healthy culture. Um, A lot of what you're going to do as a second hat HR leader, which is just simply a person who has other responsibilities on top of your normal um, HR stuff. It's going to be the modeling of that to your employees because you're not going to sit down and have a clear, you know, educational seminar on this is what our culture is and this is how you live within our culture as, as a work uh, situation. Also, you know, we're gonna talk about creating time givers, ways in which we can find opportunities to, you know, devote more time into uh, our other functions by freeing up the time for the things that are maybe more automatable or or outsourceable, things like that. Um, And then I think it's important to be organized with time. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that you do here, it works really well, Shelby, and I appreciate about you, is that you model our culture extremely well. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what it means to have a healthy culture and ways in which that second-hat HR person can model that within their organization?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, part of building a great company culture is helping your team and your teammates, all of the people that are in your company culture, understand how they thrive in your business. And I like to think of that as as household rules. So I'm recently married. um, My husband and I have been married for two years. And one of the first things we had to figure out was the rules of our house. And so for us, that looked like laundry day is always Tuesdays. We hate laundry. And the last thing you want to do on a Saturday morning is to be stuck doing laundry. So for us, a household rule, silly as it sounds, is we do laundry on Tuesdays. That expectation is very clear. And so the first person that gets home, you had better be putting laundry into the wash.
1: Do you ever sounds work crazy. late on Tuesdays so that you're not home first?
0: <laughs> I always do. Yeah, <laughs> Tuesday is my, my late working day. Sorry, Kevin. Um, but, you know, it's similar to that when you think about that in a, workpo- a workforce or a workplace as well. If you have these kind of household roles, like the ways in which everyone thrives, then after you kind of build that baseline of what's expected of a person and how they relate to a team, that's when creativity can really start to flourish. And so uh, maybe one question I might ask uh, as a second you know, chair or second hat HR person is how can smaller businesses ensure that their employees have a clear understanding of their role in the company? And two, more importantly, how do they get along with the other people and other roles in their company as well?
1: I know for us, making sure that we have a clear understanding of what we mean when we talk about culture is extremely important. We have that on our doors in our office. We talk about it in all of our all-hands meetings or all-employee meetings. We reinforce that in our daily huddles. Uh, we talk about it whenever we're, we do our weekly check-ins and monthly check-ins with our employees. Um, it is very, very important to overly communicate what those rules are. Um, what One of the things that we see a lot of companies do is they may put those values or those Uh, those things that they hold dear in a handbook, or they may talk about it as part of onboarding or orientation, and then it just goes quiet. Uh, Anybody who's ever been in a position of leadership um, understands that if you don't communicate something often and and frequently over and over and over again to the point where it feels redundant, your team is probably not going to pick up on those things. And so as the leader, you feel like that's all you're talking about. I'm I'm saying it all the time, all the time, all the time. But my team is sitting there thinking, yeah, well, maybe I haven't heard about that in another, you know, in the past six months. And so it's important to make sure that you have a clear understanding of what is important inside of your organization, but also that you are communicating that clearly. Now, how you're going to get your employees to to get on board with that also ties into holding them accountable to those company values or that, that culture that you're trying to create. If you have an employee that is going off the reservation, you can't just let them go. Um, right? You have a responsibility as the leader of your team and the, the teammates that aren't off the reservation to go sit down with that person or rein them in, have a conversation and say, look, you did something that is against what we value and that's not okay. And if that's a consistent, continual thing, then you may have you know, another issue there. But you can't just let people go on their own and expect things to get better inside of an organization. One of the things that we talk about as we meet with uh, organizations, at least I know that you do, as you talk about their onboarding experiences and what that looks like, all the way from uh, you know, bef- you know, before a person is an employee when they're just a the candidate going through that life cycle of, of onboarding. How have you seen organizations uh, maybe do it poorly or do it well when it relates to um, getting employees engaged inside of the company uh, with cultures and, and just the entire onboarding experience as a whole?
0: Sure, yeah. You know, onboarding is a, a critical step to ensuring um, that you're overly communicating what your culture is. And so maybe if you're the 2nd hat HR person and you don't feel your values are being communicated, one of the first places that you can begin to start is with your new employees. And starting that process in the onboarding uh, part of their experiences is really critical. And so one thing that we would say is to view your onboarding experience as kind of your hospitality team. It's how you welcome someone into your organization some of the I guess the greatest ways that we see uh, companies doing great onboarding experiences is that the onboarding experience of doing the paperwork and doing um, kind of the all of the new hire packet information, that process is being done electronically. They're utilizing good technology, and so that information is being done online. And so that the first day that their employee comes in the door, rather than sitting down with a packet and a cup of coffee and filling out a bunch of stuff, they're sitting across the table with their HR person or their second hat HR person, and they're getting time to actually talk about the employee handbook, talking about roles and talking about expectations. And so one of the ways that we see onboarding done really well is when companies are willing to utilize technology to help them with some of the monotonous and manual tasks so that they get more face-to-face time with their employees and actually being able to communicate all of their cultural values that we're talking about.
1: You know, you bring up a good point because the, the experience of onboarding an employee, there is a piece of that that is compliance-driven. Um, there are things that I have to do in, a, in an HR environment in order to stay compliant with all of the rules and regulations that are out there. A lot of times, I know that me personally, I feel like that is the floor. Like I have to do those things, therefore I'm going to do them at the bare minimum or just to just enough so that I don't get in trouble from a compliance standpoint. But one of the things that we really try to focus on is, is not seeing that as a floor, but seeing that as just the starting place. And so, uh, you know, we try to encourage the HR people that we work with. Yes, you must maintain compliance and you have to do things well, but it's more than just a a floor. It's just more of a basic minimum. It is the entire experience of what it looks like to deal with employees that matters. And when you talk about the experience, there's always an opportunity to do things better. There's always an opportunity uh, to bring people along in a way that they look at this and say, oh, wow, this is a different place to work. Um, and that starts with what you talked about, the, um, the experience of onboarding, you know, whether that you're doing that via paper or you're doing that on a computer, um, whether you're sitting down with your employees and walking them through a handbook, or if you're giving them the ability to read that themselves and make, uh, you know, you know uh, make decisions on what they're going to do inside of their organization with, with, as it relates to writing job descriptions, all of those things in the experience side with your employees starts to make a difference in what they think about your organization. But the downside of that is all of those things take time. Uh, it's going to it's gonna be something else that's on my plate. And if the HR roles or the functionality functional roles of an HR person is the 10th thing on my to-do list, it's difficult to find the time to do those things well and create those engaging experience for our employees. And at the same time, do everything else that I'm expected to do in order to continue to receive my paycheck. Um one of the things that I know that you've always helped us with as well as helping our clients with is developing some type of automation or, and talking about ways that we can automate and do things better. Um, I'm going to ask a question to you that I know that we've kicked around a little bit, but from your perspective, what do you think smaller companies should be doing um, or what, how do they start looking at developing some type of automation uh, inside of their environments?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, so let's just talk about. You know, we've talked about ensuring company culture, and we're gonna we start that process in, in onboarding. So, how we bring a new employee into the organization. Uh, one of the easiest ways for you to automate some of those pieces is just to ask the question: What do I do on a repeated basis? Um, if you're doing something, one particular action, more than two or three times, and it's taking you time, you should look to automate that particular piece. Um, so, what? Does that look like creating a template of how to do something? And so if you've got a varied organization, so let's say, what type of organization do we want to think about.
1: Let's talk about a, let's say a bakery.
0: Bakery, that's a great one. So bakery, you've got cooks, you've got uh, front of house people, you may have a driver, a delivery driver. Well, you may capture certain information from your delivery driver that you're not going to capture from anybody else. So take the time, it'll take you 10-15 minutes to write a list of what type of information do I need from my delivery drivers that I don't need from anybody else. And a part of their onboarding experience for all delivery drivers, just make some standard operating procedure for hey at onboarding we're going to always capture their driver's license and their auto insurance that way second tier you know second uh, chair HR person I don't have to go back in three weeks and pull that information because I captured it in onboarding. It sounds crazy but once you do that once twice three four five times a year that process gets dialed in really quickly and it's saving you time because you've built a process that enables you to work a little bit less each time you onboard a new employee in that particular segment. I think Does that make sense Mike? Yeah,
1: absolutely and I and you mentioned that uh, to, to make a list of those things that you do repeatedly, and that's important. I also think it's important to make a list of the things that you do not so frequently, but are crucially important. Um, you know, the in the world that we live in primarily and working with small businesses, they may not hire a person, but maybe, you know sometimes just a couple times a year, if even that much, and I think it's really important for those organizations to find those processes that they can automate even more so. Because if I'm doing something, let's say once a week, I'm looking at automation in order to save me time. If I'm doing something, you know, once or twice a year, I'm looking for automation, not necessarily to save me time, but to make sure that I'm doing it correctly. Sure. And so I think it's you know it's a, it's uniquely important for those non-recurring or super recurring tasks. To have some type of process especially in a standard way and in the onboarding experience that you talked about i think makes a lot of sense
0: well let me ask you a question too so you know we're talking about time givers we want to give um, these people time back you know it's hard to stay ahead of technology it's even hard to use the current technology your organization may have in place tech changes so fast um, so maybe from your perspective you know What do you think a smaller company or a mid-sized company should be looking to outsource um, when it comes to the HR side of things? Is there a way to help that HR person spend less time doing something by outsourcing it to another provider? What's your take on that?
1: I think it's critical that smaller businesses as well as large businesses um, change their mindset sometimes around outsourcing. Uh, For some organizations, the word outsourcing can get to be a bad word. When you decide that you need to outsource something, essentially what you're saying is, this is an important piece of what I do, and I can't do it as well as I wish I could. And so I need somebody to come along me and help me with that. There's different, different levels of outsourcing in every single environment out there. Some of it is just terrible, and some of it is really, really good. If you're working with vendors that are not helping you, they're not saving you time, they're not saving you money, Um, they're not adding value into your organization, you have the wrong vendor and you need to find somebody different. Uh, It's important to outsource those functions and it's not a bad word or you're not admitting failure whenever you have to say you outsource something. Keep in mind that um, you look at Amazon, right? they recently developed their own kind of fleet of delivery systems, but prior to that, what did they do? They outsourced it, they outsourced that stuff to FedEx UPS, USPS, all of the, all of the different delivery um, uh, organizations out there. Is that because they were weak or not able to? Not at all. It's because they understood that their wheelhouse was something different until they got to the point where they decided, you know what, we're going to go all in on this. They were using another provider to do those things. Uh, and so it's not, you're not outsourcing out of a position of weakness or admitting failure with that. You're simply saying, I need help in this area. And that's always coming from a position of strength. Um, especially when it comes to the HR functions, because if your 15th responsibility is as an employee is to make sure that your organization is compliant in HR, I promise you there's things that you don't know. It's just part of it. And so having a partner that can come alongside you and say, hey, have you thought about this or have you thought about that is extremely important to make sure that you are fulfilling your responsibilities as that you know second hat HR person. Otherwise, um, especially from a compliance piece, you're opening yourself up for potential issues that could in fact be a lot bigger than what you may realize at that point in time.
0: Yeah. So I hear you saying that as a smaller company, if you own it or you're in that leadership role, you shouldn't be afraid to look at outsourcing as, as a potential of saying, hey, I need a team member um, outside of my organization that's looking at the things I may not be looking at. And so from the HR standpoint specifically, a good uh, thing to consider outsourcing are those compliance pieces. And so... Um, can a payroll company can an hcm provider can an hr team help me be more compliant keep my company out of the ditches make sure i'm not getting in trouble with irs because at the end of the day we don't want them knocking on our door Um, and choosing to maybe look at those areas uh, that could be very costly if you messed it up is not like you said um, a position of weakness but really a position of of strength and and being very strategic um, as a small business so i like that perspective Um, What else would you say when you talk about automation, you know, saving some time? What practical steps could an owner or director or that second chair HR person start to take in this process of looking at automation? Maybe put simply, where should they begin?
1: I think it it starts with them sitting back and looking at their organization as a whole and thinking through the way in which information flows through that organization. Specifically, when we're talking about HR functions, there's a lot of that That is people-centric and so they have to start to think through the ways in which people are interacting with their product or service and how those different um, environments or those different interactions are things that are really requiring some type of strategic action or is this just something that is we're moving you know paperwork from desk to desk right so it you know for example if if my organization is a bakery and i'm responsible to to bake chocolate chip cookies I don't expect that my employee, you know, grab a lighter or build a fire and put and hold cookies over it. Right. We have (laughs) ovens for that. An oven is a type of an automation. It's going to automate the way in which the, the cookies are baked. Right. It would be crazy to think about doing that without an oven. And so, you know, uh, automation doesn't have to be, you know, we're buying some super big robotic computer thing that's going to come in and do something. Um, It's just simply we're going to find ways in which we're doing tasks today in a way that's more efficient or more um, effective. Um, Payroll is, um, you know, obviously that's the space that we work in, but payroll is one of those areas that is highly automated, Um, especially in today's environment. So much of that is software driven. And so because of that, you have a lot of opportunities to tie things into that payroll space that otherwise, you know, or previously hadn't been there um, because of the lack of software systems. Well, in today's world, you talked about onboarding. Onboarding is almost a completely automated function these days when we talk about the moving of, of data and the collection of data. Um, payroll is almost a completely automated function these days if you're using an appropriate timekeeping system. Um, so much of the data entry piece of that, which is where I would always start, is to eliminate the data entry. Um, that is an a, a easy way to automate some functions inside of your organi- organization using technology that's available.
0: So, Mike, you know, I'm, I'm here listening to this podcast and, um, you know, I think I am the second chair HR person. You know, I'm resonating with some of this. I know there's some stuff in my organization that needs to be automated. Um, I maybe not have identified, hey, I need an oven yet, right? Um, but I know that I need some automation. I know I don't know as much as I should know. Um, and I think that maybe I need to learn a little bit more about this. What would be a good step you would say in... Um, What would be my next step as I'm sitting here and resonating? What should I do as the second uh, hat HR person?
1: You have to raise your hand and say, I need help. You have to raise your hand and say, you need help. You cannot just continue to say, uh, you know what, this is going to get better. This is going to get better. This is going to get better. This is going to get better and not put any action behind it. Um, You know, I would call us. (laughs) Of course I would though, right? (laughs) Um, You know, we have an incredible team of people that – their entire job function in our organization is to help small businesses and their teams succeed. Right. That's what we incentivize on. That's what we talk about. That's what everything that we do is geared towards is we want to see our small businesses uh, in, in our area and across the country succeed. Small businesses are the backbone of America, and we, and we really work hard to that end. Uh, and so you got to get help in your corner because the reality is you're not going to be able to do this alone. If you realize that outsourcing and automation is something that is critically important to your organization and you just simply don't know where to start, you got to call and get help. And that's not necessarily true just for us. That's true for in, in any type of situation in which you need help. Absolutely. If my arm is broken, I'm going to call somebody to help me because I don't know how to fix that myself.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, I think, too, uh, another piece of this is, uh, you know, our team is really recognizing, I think more now than ever, just with uh, the crazy state of the world, um, that we lean on other people to help us get through. We're kind of all in this scary situation where nobody really knows what's going on, and we're all trying to figure it out together. Um, and so one of the things that we and our team have really uh, identified and recognized as a need is, hey, this second uh, PAT HR person not only needs to understand some stuff to make their business better, but maybe a part of this too is is stepping back and looking internally and saying, how do I present myself to my company and how do I interact? Do I really understand who I am and how can I help my team get better and create better culture if I don't have a good beat on who I am and how I relate to my team? And so recognizing that need, we have developed uh, something that we're calling the HR on-ramp. Mike, do you care to tell us a little bit about why that 2nd hat HR person might be interested in taking our class?
1: Absolutely. Uh, The HR on-ramp is an idea that came out of a couple of things. One, it's really seeing a need out there where the, you know, more and more companies that we work with don't have dedicated HR professionals. Uh, they don't have a team of people behind them, but it is the like we've been talking about the the fifth or sixth priority of their overall job. Um, those types of individuals just have different um, different focuses in what they're doing. Uh, I know in my personal experience from uh, just being involved in some different leadership groups, having the ability to push back and just have time to think. You know, create margin in my own life to think about things that I wouldn't otherwise think about is incredibly important. And so what we decided to do was tailor a plan towards those second hat HR people and give them some basic information that they need in order to begin the process of being more strategic and thoughtful inside of their organization. And we're gonna deliver that in a way that's not a super big time commitment on their end. And we're not gonna get into the weeds of everything that you may need to know as part of being in the HR world, but we're gonna sit on the practical level. We're going to talk about what it means to be a leader under other leaders. We're going to talk about what it means to build um, job descriptions and what you need to look for from a compliance standpoint and what are the high-level things that you just absolutely cannot miss inside of your organization. We're calling this OnRamp because the reality is um, a lot of people just don't have that baseline understanding because they've never been expected to have it. They've never been given the responsibilities of HR overall because I'm just an office administrator or I'm just a office manager or I just deal with operations. And so we're calling this the on-ramp because we're going to get you to the point where you now know what you don't currently know so you can start to ask the questions inside of your internal organization to make things better, to get one step better to take in your organization to where you want it to be from a, uh, a leader standpoint.
0: I love it. You know, onramp is starting here in our office uh, June the 1st, so you've got a couple more days to sign up if you've been listening to this and recognize hey maybe you're that person you need to take our class it's a great introduction to us and if not uh, take the class maybe you've identified someone in your organization maybe you're the leader and you know that second hat hr person you want them to take our class we would encourage you to go take a look at our website click the hr on ramp consider joining us for our first session of hr on ramp starting june the first
1: well shelby i really appreciate your time today Um, it's been really fun to talk to you about the role of hr and, and how you see that from where you sit. Um, I really, like I said, appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, and if you guys out there need any help with anything HR related, payroll, benefits, all kinds of stuff, we would love, if nothing else, just to have a conversation about pointing you in the right direction. Even if you don't buy services from us, that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. We love helping uh, small businesses, you know, medium-sized businesses. We just love helping organizations succeed in their world. And so, Um, Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Head over to works.com for webinars, blogs, and more content. That's works, W-H-I-R-K-S dot com. See you next time.